The Upland Nomads are brought to you by Kuga Vest, a vest that provides serious protection for your dog. Fit and Fetch Outdoors, a CBD dog chew that is made to improve performance and decrease any unwanted stress on your dog's body. We are also brought to you by Mossy Oak Sport Dog, a line of products meant to keep your canine clean and clean smell. Welcome to the Upland Nomads Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Upland Nomads Podcast. Well, I am going solo tonight. Michael's MIA. And I'm joined by Cody Tilk. That's right. All right, Cody, you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so obviously, you know, my name's Cody Tilk, coming here from central Iowa. Uh, I say currently living here in Adele, so it's uh, just around the outskirts of Des Moines. Been living here since about 2017, when I first bought the house. We grew up in a small town called Stewart, Iowa. Um, pretty much just always been a local central Iowa boy all my life. Nice, nice. You didn't hop any borders like we did. No. <laughs> so, Cody, what kind of dogs do you run? Currently, right now, say I run Vishlas. This is the dog that kind of first drew my attention because I got my first hunting dog back when 2018. Just because I was kind of looking into dog breeds and everything, because all my life I've always grown up with, you know, labs and German short hair pointers. And I was kind of wanting to see something different because that's always see those and Britney's in the field. And so my dad sent me uh, a message one day saying, Hey, I want you to look at these. So I looked into Vishla's and, you know, a lot of the personalities I was looking into, like they're super loyal dogs. And I really wanted a hunting dog that was going to be first dog in the field and the last dog out because I'm very passionate about the uplands and hunting and wanted a dog that was going to be an athlete. Do you just upland hunt then, Cody? Or are you a so yeah, uh, currently just do upland hunting. Say I do dabble a little bit into some dove hunting. Obviously, before you know the uh, pheasant season, everything starts here in Iowa. Just kind of you know wet the whistle, so to speak. Uh, but you know, growing up in the past, you know, I did do a little bit of waterfowl with goose and duck. Um, but mainly, my passion is the uplands. I say I think you're like the third or fourth guy, third guy from Iowa for sure. And I don't think anybody's really said deer hunting. Yeah, which is surprising. My, because my dad was, was a big deer hunter back in the day. Say, especially like Southern Iowa or even around uh, Winterset. Um, I've heard is king here uh, in Iowa as far as deer goes. But I mean, they're, I mean, they're lousy around here. I mean, there's just deer everywhere. No deer around here. So, <laughs> kind of get into your hunting background. Who got you started hunting? My my dad was the one who you know first got me started into hunting and everything. Uh, I remember growing up, you know, when I was ten years old, um, him and his work buddies always get together and go out to the range and shoot, you know, trap all the time. Um, and then you know when I got older, he would start taking me along with and everything. And I mean, I remember, you know, first time like he hung this clay pigeon up on a tree branch and he had me shoulder his twelve gauge. Oh God, what was it? A Charles Daly 12 gauge. And he had me shoot. And I remember like, cause I didn't know any better. I went running over there after I shot it, thinking I could see it and it was already broken in a piece and everything. And, and that <laughs> honestly is what kind of sparked my passion for hunting. Cause then I remember like shortly after that, he wanted me to, he took me out turkey hunting for in the spring for first season. And unfortunately I didn't get anything, but I do remember like, you know, taking out 
to the range, just him and I, and uh, we were leaning up against a tree and shooting at a pop can about 35 yards. And I remember like I was young at the time, like ball on bloody murder. So I was afraid of the recoil. Then as soon as I shot the gun, I was just hooked. Do you still turkey hunt now? No, I don't have the patience. <laughs> <laughs> that season's coming up here. Yeah, yeah. I say I had a, a guy actually earlier today because um, I also work at a uh, gun store. He came and he was talking about it and everything. And so, yeah, I say there. I think it's next weekend. I want to say. I don't do North Dakota, but Minnesota is where I go. I mean, it's only a forty-minute drive to the hunting land there, and I think it's April twelfth that it opens. So mm-hmm. two weeks, two weeks still tomorrow, but yeah. No, my, my biggest thing is if I can't take my my dogs with me, then I don't want to hunt. Right. That's how I've kind of gotten to be. I, say I used to be really big into whitetail hunting, bull hunting at that. And I got my first dog. Not that I didn't go pheasant hunting or grouse hunting before that, but it was more or less like, oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But that would be a lot more fun if I had a dog. Yeah. And then I got rigs. But did it growing up, I mean... Shoot, I think I had I had rough girls in my backyard growing up. It was stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what was the first like upland bird you guys can you first start hunting then? Oh, so the yeah the first bird I ever. I mean, Iowa ringnecks was the first bird I ever yeah. ever got. Um, I want to say that I would have been about I think eighth grade was when I got my first ringneck. Um, we were up in northern Iowa, and I remember he my dad bought me my first shotgun as a 20 gauge Mossberg and I, it was, you know, opening weekend. And I just remember this bird flushed off of, um, Oh, my dad, a, a GSP at the time named blazer and I shot him. I remember running over to get it and everything. I was pulling up and I thought it was a hen and all of his buddies were joking saying it was a hen, but it was actually a very, very young ring neck pheasant. I could barely just see the white ring around the neck. <laughs> yeah. L- little bit of a rookie hazing, but no, I was, I was there for it. And it was just, like I said, it, just, it became an addiction after that point. I say, but your season starts like what end of October? For in- yeah, it's always the uh, last weekend of October. So I've never ever really celebrated Halloween. <laughs> I say that's kind of a late. That's a late start because we're. Well, I think this year we're like October seventh. So mm-hmm. Is when our season opens. Pretty much resident only, unless you have private land to go to. But, but then, so you just chase mainly ringnecks then, or. Yeah, so mainly pretty much growing up all my life. I mean, we, like I said, we were all over the rain necks here. Uh, but then I was also, we were, at that point, we were doing a little bit more waterfowl with duck and geese because he also would run. Um, we had like white labs growing up also too. So we got into that. But then once um, my dad just had, because his lab passed away, we just had the GSP. We got more into just the uplands. Because um, okay. we constantly do a lot more trips around Iowa because mainly we hunt, I would, I would say, honestly, the west half of the state of Iowa. Um, and so we just do a lot more traveling and everything. And yeah, so that's when we started getting into it. How long does it um, take from, to get from one side of the state to the other, north to south? Well, let's see. Well, we're here in central Iowa. About where we, we're hunting up in northern Iowa, it's about a good two and a half three hour drive so that's not so bad at all huh? yeah especially me if you're driving on i-35 going north south it's it's not a bad drive at all no quick quick couple hours i mean mm-hmm. a couple hours doesn't even get me out it gets me closer to prime pheasant hunting country but mm-hmm. not quite 
Yeah. I mean, you know, my dad always talks about like the glory days back when he was in high school, like, you know, um, it was the town Greenfield, Iowa used to be like the Mecca and everything. But then we had a couple of really bad blizzards back in the day, which kind of brought down that pheasant population. And, you know, as I'm just be hundred percent honest, this past couple of seasons we've had, I mean, every year bird counts and what I'm seeing is just gets better and better and better. I know people talked about I was like surge like the last couple of years of like their pheasant numbers. I wasn't sure when you first started hunting how how those numbers uh, were to where they are now. I say that they have significantly improved. Uh, we've been very blessed with um, pretty mild, I would say, winters here lately. Um, with getting in nice, you know, pretty decent springs, not getting too much rain. Um, there were a couple of years where we were getting a lot of moisture and everything too and had some flooding issues but um, i think with the work with the dnr the, the work they're putting in and also to you know, private landowners and pheasants forever chapters has really helped with blossoming the um, pheasant population here i mean it's not even just pheasants like i'm even starting to see quail in certain areas in iowa that i've never seen before i've seen that quite a few guys on instagram it seems like there's a few more huns down there this year yep Actually, the harvest, so I, I, well, my dad says I, har I harvested a hun quite a few years back. I, I thought I just accidentally shot a hen, but it was actually a hun. Uh, but this actually, this past season, I actually did shoot a Hungarian partridge up in northern Iowa. And it was just funny because I remember um, my five year old Vichel Bella went on point and it's just, I saw the bird flush after I kind of went off to the right to flank it. And I'm like, kind of squinting, looking like that's not a pheasant. She runs, brings it back. I'm just praying, like, please don't be a hen. Please don't be a hen. And I saw the colors, like, oh, thank God. I say, when you get a hun, when you don't see many for how many years, that's got to be pretty sweet. To... Well, and that's the thing, too, is I was like, kind of expecting a covey, and it was just a single hun by itself. Must have been confused. At least you made a good shot. Say, some of the times those singles are freaking tough. Say, the coveys are kind of nice, but then they yeah. break up into singles, and it's like, yeah. So then, kind of going off of that. Species that you mainly target in Iowa, then there'll be what pheasants. Yeah, we mainly target a lot of ringnecks. Um, and then I got into some quail actually this past season, too, um, down in southern Iowa, which was a blast just because my whole goal uh, this past season, because I've never shot an actual Iowa bobwhite quail. And yeah. sure enough, we're, we're down in southern Iowa and dog goes on point, and all of a sudden you just start seeing quail popcorn. I was like, oh crap swing and drop one and then my little pup maggie came running back with it in her mouth and i was like mark that off the list <laughs> that's awesome how's the quail flush compared to the hung i've always been curious to ask because uh that's so closest we got around here to quail. yeah uh quail i mean from what I've been seeing and everything around here, I mean, there you got you got to get on them quick because the moment they're up, you kind of hear that thunderous flush, and then it's almost just like a point shoot. Um, I mean, you got to be lightning quick on the draw. This is the biggest thing. I say sometimes the huns they're fast, and sometimes it's like, well, yeah, I think the the one hunt I got in Northern Iowa was was a little slow because that wasn't that hard of a shot. But now the quail, I mean, it's uh, it's it's pretty much got to be keep your head on a swivel. Yeah, say so most of the time it's like the huns get up and it's like freaking scatter all over the place and it's like mm -hmm. trying to pick one. 
Well, the nice thing with quail, I mean, they'll fly probably no further than 150 yards and they'll go down and sit and you can just kind of start chasing after the singles or follow the yeah. cubby. Huns do that a little too. They probably fly a little further. I tried. Maybe I'll go after them once, but then if I break them up again, I try to call it quits But mm. on that cubby. Because usually there's more so out west, like there's more coveys than around here. But even here, I've been finding more coveys on the eastern side mm-hmm. compared to years past. So, because I think the last year uh, they were up 50% statewide. So, mm-hmm. Bob Wendell, just in general, just taste really good. So, I'm a little bit more determined to go after them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've heard. I've heard the taste is really freaking good. Yeah, say, my say, fiance, Ashley, um, we got back from a, a quail hunt in Kansas. We were down at her folks' place and uh, she literally just put olive oil and some sea salt, cooked them on a pan, and they're just good. I said, I heard you took like the whole thing too. You just you take the whole <laughs> the whole quail. I mean, the ground is probably yeah. I mean, you, you need to you need to get a whole bunch of those if you're going to get an actual meal. But yeah, I mean, we <laughs> we brought now we took the legs out and that's pretty much it. Can't imagine they're much bigger than a full dove. Imagine would they? Pretty much, yeah. That's that's why I would put them on par with. I think a hun's actually just like a little bit bigger than quail, but not positive. A little bit. One, so. Mm-hmm. Imagine a full grown, I should say a full grown hunt would be a, a little bit bigger than a quail, but yeah, yeah, they're fun to shoot. There's something about the covey rise birds. I don't know if you've gotten the sharpies yet, but that, they, that's 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 the plan for the future. That's not, I wouldn't call them a covey rise bird, but sometimes, like, sometimes you do get a big, bigger group of sharpies. Somebody can correct me on that. I'm probably butchering mm-hmm. it here. I don't know if it's called a covey or. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. The thing I've heard too about Sharpie is like my dad said he has a buddy that went out there to, I think it was Montana to hunt. He got into some Sharpies and he said too, like, it doesn't take a whole lot to take them down. Mm-mm. I think I shoot like seven and a half, eight shot out of my 20 gauge and like one BB. Like you, sometimes you can puff a pheasant and that thing still flies away. But like oh, if yeah. you, if you have like one BB with a Sharpie, they just, they don't. And they're pretty slow getting off the ground. So usually you can pick off a couple. Gotcha. And usually there's probably at least half dozen usually together. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but don't sharpies make like a like a laughing kind of yeah. sound when they get up? Yeah, they laugh at you when they fly away. When I even when I first started hunting, I was like, oh, I'm so nervous because I don't know. I don't want to mistake him with a hen pheasant, but you can't. Like you're not even hunting like remotely. Usually like the same type of cover, so. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're like on a edge of a, an egg field, gotcha. Then maybe like on a fence line or something, because I found sharpies there too. But most of the time, you're walking cover that's just above your ankle. It's like super nice to walk because it's not cattails or mm-hmm. anything else. And it's fun because if you have a a pointing dog, you get to watch your dog range out there and slam on point and not be able to sometimes be like, "Yep, he's on point here. I can't see him at all." So. He's in the cattails. Yeah, I've done one too many cat, uh, what do they call it, death marches and cattails here in Iowa. So I, I tend to just stick the outside and I'll just let my dad and his black lab go in. <laughs> <laughs> I try to stay to the middle to, or stay to the outside too, but then also the dog will veer off into the inside and it's like, well, there it rigs. No, I got to come after you because <laughs> now it's like, oh, you're on point. Awesome. Uh, typically it goes. Right. So kind of getting back into your Vislas. Vishlas. <laughs> I'm not gonna upset anybody here. <laughs> so you're nah, so you uh 
you actually just got done with your first litter. Yep. Say, uh, I want to call myself an upcoming dog breeder um, just because <clears throat> I got into breeding, honestly, because the first beast I picked up uh, back about five years ago, her name's Bella. Um, you know, I, she was my first ever gun dog. I did all of her training, everything myself. And honestly, throughout her years hunting with her, I honestly believe our group wouldn't be having the success that we've been having just because I'm super passionate about the uplands, but I also know that Bella is also super passionate about hunting. I mean, I can literally go get my blaze orange on, go get my gun out of the safe and she's up right out of bed, ready at the door, ready to rock and roll, throw on my e-collar, throw on my vest, let's go hunt. She's just been such a, you know, everyone talks about having like that once in a lifetime dog. Um, <laughs> I just, I love talking about her, but no, she's, she's been great. I mean, she's the first dog in the field, last dog out. She's just a rock star. That was the reason why I ended up getting into breeding was actually, I was at Pheasant Fest this past year in Omaha, where I ran into a guy named um, Doug and he owns Crimson Meadow Vishlas over in Eastern Iowa, where him and I just connected. Um, he's been breeding Vishlas for over 30 years. I wanted to get into breeding because since Bella was such a great, phenomenal dog, I wanted to carry on her lineage. I wanted to do honor and service for the Vishla breed. So my goal was is to get her bred out to uh, their dog named Wrangler. And my goal was to keep a female pup from the litter. Okay. So what like steps did you have to take to like get cert you have to get certified, I'd imagine, to um, I suppose you don't have to, but uh, so no, you don't have to get certified, but I actually went the extra mile. I actually leaned very heavily on um, Standing Stone's YouTube videos because they actually have like a breeding and puppy series on their YouTube okay. channel where I watch the puppy series, but yeah, so very, like very good um, videos. <laughs> yeah, so like Cat, for example, Cat the dog trainer, um, she would go in detail about breeding, um, what steps they took and everything throughout their breeding process. And I literally would just every day watch and drill those videos into my head. So that way I had a nice, good educational base before taking on such of a challenge. So like, for example, I went the extra mile with all of our puppies um, and made sure Bella got her OFA test done for her hips. Um, Cause Wrangler had his um, OFA hips done for him, which were excellent. He also had DNA testing done, his eyes testing done. Um, and I did Bella's hips and her hips came back great too. Cause I wanted to make sure that I had the best start for our pups out the gate. Um, because I forgot to mention this earlier. When I first picked up Bella from her breeder, we didn't necessarily have the, the best start. Literally I brought her back super excited, you know, went the extra mile, got all the dog training stuff, the toys, the dog food and treats and everything. About a week after having her, she developed parvo. Oh, geez. um, you know, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type of guy where I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, obviously, I'll show my emotions and everything. And I was just a wreck. My, you know, I went down to the vet with my mom. Vet looked her over, did the test and everything. And they said she had basically about a 25% chance of surviving. So, of course, I'm a wreck. You know, my sister came over later that night, totally disinfected my house. Um, I'm like checking up my vet basically because I was a trainer at Lifetime at the time and I was calling my vet basically like every hour on the hour checking and say, Hey, how's she doing? Hey, how's she doing? They were probably getting sick of me calling, honestly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, after about five days, they said, Nope, she pulled through. She, she did great. My dad actually, 
he uh he he dubbed her the parvo puppy <laughs> that's so that's her nickname so nope say she pulled through and at that point i knew if she could handle going through that this dog can do anything and she's just been phenomenal so that's why i ended up wanting to carry on that lineage how was your first hunting season with bella then uh really good um especially since you know it's my first time training a dog and everything did a lot of work watching videos and everything from Standing Stone. I also took some inspiration from Scott Linden from Wing Shooting USA and watching his training videos and read some books. But no, she did great. She had a nice natural point. She has a sh- very strong retrieve drive, like to the point where she would honestly beat all the dogs to the bird. And sometimes I felt bad, uh, but she would bring it back to me even if I didn't shoot it. That's what I, have now, to do with the thing I will say it's kind of her kryptonite, which I'm sure a lot of other visual people might even agree with me on this. She's not a big fan of water. I don't know if any of those pointing dogs are a huge fan of, like, are you talking swimming or are you taking drinking? Yeah, like off? swimming. <laughs> so, like, oh. you know, and I'll put it on myself because I never really focused on any sort of water work or anything. I was just such a novice. My whole goal was we worked a lot of um, scent drags. Uh, worked on some woe training and then because um, a lot of times after work I'd take her on a long walk and we had this huge hill by our house where I would just basically throw the bumper out and have her just condition her running up and down the hill. She's got a strong retrieve and a strong nose. It's just water has always been kind of her kryptonite. I lucked out with Riggs. Actually, he liked to go in the water. He hated that because we have our lake, we have our lake place. He hated to go off the dock. We we're just trying to get him to jump off the dock. Mm-hmm. retrieve his bumpers because he was super big on like retriever like retrieving his bumper training but he could sit and do that all day like he never gets tired it's like give my arm a break buddy but then now cash i think he'll be he'll like the water he was in the water didn't necessarily care for it but he was also two months old in june when we got him so i mean that's and we're trying time. Yeah. In the end, he did like start to go in the water, but then hunting season kind of rolled around when he was like mm-hmm. four months old. So we didn't really keep on mm-hmm. trying. But yeah, Riggs, I can't keep him out of the water. Even if there's no toy, he just will just go. My in laws have a, they used to have like steps right down into the mm-hmm. water and he'd just walk right in. It's like, dude, you're going to be all wet now. Yeah. We have but, to keep a towel ready and all at all hands. All right. I thought you were saying taking water while you're out hunting. And I was like, yeah, I struggle to take. My dog won't even stop. So no, She's not much of a water retrieving dog, but like I kept telling my dad, I was like, no, we don't really hunt in water or anything, or most of the birds we're shooting aren't yeah. landing in water. So, eh. And that's why you have your lab, right? And you have how many dogs now? So <laughs> it's kind of a zoo. So we currently have four dogs in our house right now. And how many are beachless? So we have three Vichelas in the house, and then uh, my fiance has a uh, King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. So Bella's five. What are the names of the other two Vichelas? So we, the litter we had in the, in the back in the summer, uh, they were born in July. We had seven boys and one girl. <laughs> now, granted, you know, as a breeder, you know, you're kind of looking for more like a 50-50 split or a little bit more than just one female. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up actually keeping the one female because, like I said earlier, I wanted to obviously continue um, Bella's lineage, but then also to with future litters down the road. So I kept, um, her name's Maggie. And so right now she's about eight and a half, almost nine months old. 
And then um, <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. So the plan wasn't like we weren't planning on keeping one of the male pups just because, you know, I don't want to have to worry about, you know, Bella going in heat or Maggie going in heat and then having a oops litter. Um, yeah. Not trying to have any puppies with crooked teeth or anything. Um, yeah. So Rufus is the other male pup that we kept from the litter and he was actually the runt male. Uh, and the story is, um, so uh, when I was doing like paperwork and everything, um, Ashley came up to me and she was, oh, I really want to keep purple. That's the color, the color he had. And I was like, well, why, why do you, why do we need to keep him? She goes, well, uh, there was just one day where I was outside playing with him and he ran over to me and he rolled over and tumbled and landed on my feet and just looked up at me. And I just knew I just had to keep him. So, but <laughs> we're, we're about to be getting married here coming uh new year's Eve this year. So what's the phrase on happy wife, happy life. <laughs> Yeah, if only my wife would say I can have a third one, be happy. Yeah. But she just let me get a second one, so. But I, I will say, being an upcoming again. breeder, when you're seeing all the puppies, yeah, they're super cute, and you you feel like you want to keep all the puppies. And just out of my advice, don't. <laughs> right, it's hard enough training one puppy at a time. I can't imagine trying to chain two. Yeah, which luckily um, Ashley has a little bit of experience uh, or background with training dogs and everything too. So like we both, when we were raising the litter and everything, um, we would do a lot of like obedient stuff with them. So like we were, I wanted to make sure with our breeding program, I want to make sure all the puppies when they went home to their new families that they were already crate trained to start, um, already been exposed to being outside, knowing they needed to do their business outside. Also too, um, I wanted to make sure that all the pups were exposed to game. So actually we had our dove season starting in September. What I would do is after some of the birds that we got, I would actually bring them home and expose them to some of those feathers, did the whole wing on a string, trying to bring up those natural pointing instincts, just trying to get as much exposure to them as best I could. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of work, but it was a very rewarding and enjoyable experience um, that I will never forget. So then on top of the breeding you've talked about, becoming a trainer trainer right yep where are you at with training what is are you do you have any just your own dogs or do you have any clients so far just my own dogs so yeah up and coming trainer and everything my goal um obviously our goal in the future is actually to start up our own official kennel and have an llc because uh, i want to do dog training and then also to continue the breeding um, program and everything in the future um, a lot of my experience has been leaned heavily on standing stone and i really enjoy their methods because uh, I do a lot of clicker training and I, it just works best with me. Um, and then also to just reading more books and just taking in that knowledge. Nice. Like, where are you, where are you at now with everything breeding wise? Do you have any letters planned this next year or? Yep. So we, we did, we do have planned to do another <clears throat> a repeat breed with Bella and Wrangler this summer. But honestly, I'm on the fence on if I want to do it this summer or wait till next summer, um, just because right now I'm doing so much training with Maggie, because right now we signed up for NABDA, because okay. I want to get take her through her natural ability test. And I want to make sure I dedicate my time to her to make sure we're prepared for that. So that way, that'll help us furthering the line down the road. Nice. And then what is your plan with your male dog? So we actually got him fixed um, just because, like I said, I don't want to have any oops litters or anything too. I have done some training with him and I've ran him out of the field a couple of times and he's, he's getting there. He wasn't so much of a bold puppy like Maggie was from the litter. 
I think with more times running him in the field and just getting him, you know, more confident, more comfortable. Um, Cause I'll run him in the field with Bella, his mom uh, a couple of times throughout the week. Um, but I think, I think he'll just need to take a little bit more time, but I think he'll come along. Nice. But he's got a nice, good natural point and everything too. I just want to make sure that I introduce him to gunfire properly. Um, Cause there was one time actually this past season, I <laughs> don't want to go to a rabbit hole or anything, but I actually took t- the two pups down, uh, down to Southern Iowa just to run them. Sure enough, we went into this IHAP that was down there that I wasn't honestly expecting much. About 30 yards away from the truck, Maggie slams on point. I walk in, then I had about 20 birds literally just get up in all directions. And at that point, I was like, oh, I, I got to shoot. But Rufus had never been exposed to gunfire at that point. So that's that's an error on my part. But he did fine. He kept up with us the whole way, and he handled it like a champ. That's always like the nerve-wracking thing was like getting to the – Doing all, trying to do all the stuff, and I got for my first dog. I did not have a starter pistol. Well, actually, I still mm-hmm. have a starter pistol, but a twenty-two pistol. Just trying to get to that point, and like, oh, is he gonna do good? Like, is he gonna be able yeah. to handle this? Like, all this other training, like, <laughs> and yeah. now he's finally like ready to go, be introduced to gunfire. Like, I hope we got this actually works. And then, I thought Cash was deaf for a while because. He didn't listen to the wife and I were like, is he deaf? Like, oh, if he can hear us. <laughs> yeah. But no, he, he was easy. Like he, we started out. That was a method I learned at pheasant fest, just kind of like working out in front of him and then firing around, letting him go and get it and it, mm-hmm. retrieve. I'm probably butchering that. I probably it was something I learned at Pheasant Fest. That's how I did it. I'm trying to remember yeah. how I did it, but yeah, I mean you're yeah, on track. He, it was pretty easy. Then we like we we were doing live pigeon work that weekend with Riggs and a couple of my other buddies, my brother and his dog and Cash was just more or less uh, positive pigeons until I caught one and killed it. Yeah, it didn't fly away, and he got up there and just chased it down. So I was like, "Awesome, awesome! We're killing our first, we're killing our first bird." Thank you, Cash. <laughs> well, on some of those pitches, you don't know what's ever going to happen. I mean, like this past weekend, we had training day for NABDA, and their pigeon came out of the launcher and literally just popped out and laid on the ground, just kind of walked right in front of Maggie. I was like, "Stupid pigeon, fly!" All right. Yeah, so they'll just like you open up the trap, and they'll just like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna walk away." And my dog's sitting on point, and it's like, oh, dang, just trying to kick it. And it's yeah. like, get up, get out of here. Be gone. <laughs> right. I said, I'm excited to do that again. Last year was kind of like the first year, did game farm birds. Last year was like the first year getting like pigeons and that and mm-hmm. going out because Riggs was two at the time. Great. Riggs is three now. So, mm-hmm. and Cash, Cash got a few. We did some chucker work. We more so just like cash run wild birds because when even when we're doing that, he was like three months old. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so getting back into your training, yeah. Say like in five years, where do you hope to be? Honestly, the the goal will be in five years to have a full fledged dog training and kennel and breeding business. Um, you know, I'm super passionate about the uplands and super passionate about dogs. Um, and honestly, all started. Um, 
the, the dog breeding inspiration also too is my grandmother actually used to breed um, Shih Tzus back in the day. Oh, yeah, so totally, totally off topic or totally different direction. But uh, no, say that would be my goal is would be to have a full fledged um, kennel for training dogs, bird dogs, and breeding more vishlas. And I would I'd be open to other dog breeds too. I've I've kind of thought about I mean, everyone. It's the popular trend now. Everybody's got an English cocker spaniel. Or um, even Springer Spaniels, because um, I mean they're they're great for pheasant hunting and everything too. No, I'm just I'm so passionate about Vishlas. It's kind of hard for me to cheat on my breed. Right. <laughs> yeah, right now I'm stuck with the GSPs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can cheat on. You know, there's always sometimes those setters look really good. <laughs> I'm yeah. also happy. I'm also happy with not being having to uh, do what Michael has to do and sit there and pull birds at the end of the day. No. I just get to go. I just get to go into the bar and drink beers. So mm-hmm. that's the one nice thing about the short hairs. And I imagine Bichos have the same type hair. Yep, short hairs. I mean, it's super nice, super low maintenance. I mean, I always laugh because like uh, Ashley's uh, spaniel has to go and get his haircuts all the time and all this. And I was like, yeah, I've never had to do any of that with Bella. So yeah, I can't imagine getting all those birds out because there are sometimes where michael comes with this cocker and she's got birds all over her ears yeah that's the one thing with uh that much hair is i don't think that's that's just a lot of work so how is like your vishlas was shedding do they shed much yeah they yeah they definitely do uh say we have little red hairs basically all over our furniture in our house all over the floor even have it all over my truck tube i mean that's what couch covers and seat covers are for right <laughs> right well, i don't want my dogs my dogs at the top or on the back of my pickup so that's where the boys go well i should say i shouldn't say that because montana they got too hot and i had to cool them down quick oh, so yeah. AC, they got to go in the ac blast and i think it started out really like in the 50s in the morning mm-hmm. and then it would get to like 90 by like 11 o'clock i've never hunted it 5 30 in the morning for any upland birds but i was out there yeah okay that's definitely on my bucket list is to hunt montana at some point but yeah just all the way here from central Iowa to montana that's a hefty drive yeah oh even for like i guess i hate driving it's still like a six if i left right from grand forks and went i could hop on highway two and i'd take me Probably about six hours to go out there, but I did the longest route possible last year. I had a mm-hmm. wedding, at my cousin's wedding, west of Far or east of Fargo, and then I, my brother hopped in with me. We went out to Bismarck to pick Michael up, and then we had to go two hours north, and then angled our way. We got out to the field at four thirty in the morning. We can get an hour left before we'd actually hunt, and I was like, Phew. then a farmer pulls up at like four forty-five. Right? making sure we were okay because they saw our vehicle parked yeah. on the on the walk-in yeah. land. But yeah, don't want to pass out from heat exhaustion. Right. No, we talked about possibly trying out a few different places this year. I mean mm-hmm. any place is gonna be a drive for us. But I mean South Dakota wasn't bad because that's not wasn't too far of a drive. Three hours. I mean, yeah, but, it's like I said earlier need me get you guys down here in Iowa. We talked about heading to Kansas this year. I want to cross off quail mm-hmm. off my bucket list. If I can cross it off in Iowa too, that'd be fine. We talked about Nebraska because one of our buddies lives in Nebraska, but he was just telling me today that he's just saw his first rooster pheasant. Oof. Yeah. 
Oof. <laughs> and and he drives a lot for work, so <laughs> all over eastern and central Nebraska. Yeah, that'd be another thing I wouldn't mind getting into would be like prairie chickens. Yeah, I've heard we can't hunt them here in North Dakota. Uh, Minnesota, you have to be resident only. It's a lottery. Mm-hmm. So I think our closest, while talking with Joe from a previous podcast, he goes down to Pier, South Dakota, and that's probably like the closest place we can go. Gotcha. Yeah, it'd be different. I think I've seen them because we have prairie chickens around here. Rick's pointed one last year, I believe, because it was a little bit bigger than a sharp tail. And it didn't quite make the same sounds. So, yeah, we'll go with it's a prairie chicken. But they're also talked about their hybrid Sharpies. The prairie chickens and the Sharpies were breeding together. Huh. Yeah. Never heard of that. Yeah. Cause I guess there's, it was on a, it was on like on the wing podcast. It was actually uh, the biology professor from UND here in town. And she talked about some hybrid birds going on. I guess the big question for that would be is what's the bag limit on the hybrids? <laughs> yeah, I think it's still uh, three, <laughs> three with your sharpie. <laughs> Look, I'm like right because we can't hunt any, we can't hunt any sharpies north of Highway Two, which is mm-hmm. like uh, the north, very north part of Grand Forks. But everything south Highway Two, because everything north Highway Two is protected for prairie chickens. But so I don't I quite get it. South of Highway Two is not, but whatever, I'll take it because I can drive three miles out of town and. And go shoot birds. So yeah, there you go. I mean, that's the dream right there. If I want to hunt anywhere that's that close to where we're currently living at, you'd be lucky to find a bird. Hopefully, one day I can just walk out my front door or back door. Mm-hmm. One of these days. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, Cody, got some questions for you. Yeah. We do on every episode. Favorite bird to hunt? Oof, that'd be tough. You know, I've I've grown up all my life hunting rainnecks because that's you know that's just what we've been getting into so much here. But after bagging my first Bob White down in Kansas, it's just the thrill of that quick flush from the quail is just what does it for me. But I'm gonna have to stay with my roots and I'm gonna stay with the ringneck pheasant just because they're hardy birds. They're challenging. They like to run. They're fast. The day's good. Yeah, tastes good, especially putting a little bit uh, of salsa or cream and mushroom soup. Well, we'll change that when you get on some Sharpies or Huns. <laughs> yeah. And an actual copy. All right. Tough one for you here, maybe. Favorite type of dog other than the one you own? <laughs> uh, mm, that is a tough one. Is Hungarian Vyshla, uh, the wire hair Vyshla? Is that a uh, is that acceptable? No, no, you can't take that one. That's still in the same family. Oh, uh, in that case, I'm gonna have to go with the German short hair pointer. I grew up with them. They're they're great, versatile breeds. I mean, plus I love the coloring and everything with them too. So mm-hmm. I'd have to go with GSP. All right, kind of question sidekick in that one. Would you ever own a different dog other than a Vishla? I would. would. I would. Uh, gun dogs, just in general. I mean, I love all breeds. I mean, I'm not locked into beastless for the rest of my life so i wouldn't i wouldn't mind getting into the fleshing breeds at some point like a springer spaniel or a cocker spaniel so i even joked with ashley at one point saying hey so we do beastless and she really wants a spaniel like well if you get an athletic one unlike the one we currently have 
<laughs> I'd, I'd be I'd be down for that. <laughs> Have you ever hunted with a wire-haired Visha? That's because Ron Bames got one, right? Yep. So Ron's got one, and uh, actually, so I took Bell with me to Pheasant Fest last year. We went there on Saturday. And we ran into his uh, wire-haired Visha, and this is kind of a funny story too. I walked up to him. So I'm a big fan of Ron. And uh, he literally walked up, he looked at his visual, my visual, went back to his visual, and he goes, see, that's what you'd look like if I shaved you. <laughs> <laughs> I say they look like interesting dogs. I've never really, I've never seen one in person, but I've seen pictures well, the, of them. The thing I think he told me, too, is that uh, wire hair visuals are just a little bit more even keel than uh, the short hair visuals. I wonder if they're, uh, like, how their coats are compared to, like, your wire-haired pointers or your wire-haired griffons yeah i'd be interested to kind of dab one of that too i mean my visual has never they haven't had an issue hunting in cold temperatures or in the snow or anything too so they've they've done just fine there i mean there's been some days like this past season where it was hovering in the single digits with the wind chill the boys have been down like in the it's in the been the negatives before but they're fine as long as they're moving I wouldn't recommend, I don't put a vest on my dogs usually, but I wouldn't put a vest on, especially when there's snow on the ground, because that just, all that snow, we like, can get in there and like, just grace ice around their chest, or mm-hmm. if your dog has fur, it snowballs. Yeah. So, favorite place to hunt? Oof. I know you don't leave the state. No onyx too. pins, right? <laughs> no onyx pins. Oh, shoot. Um, you know, I've you know hunted in Iowa all my life, and I just this past couple seasons I've been hunting down in Kansas. Um, I would I would have to say hands down, I love Iowa just because you get the mix of seasons and everything too, and you get a nice good mix of cover. Um, you know, obviously you have a nice mix of like cattails and everything. Now, I'm not a big fan of you know, death marches and cattails, um, but this is the place that I've grown up all my life, and this is where I've got all my experience to back me up but i'm telling you you need to you need to branch i think you need to branch out a little more that very cody i mean we've been chit-chatting back and forth it sounds like we got a a kansas and a north dakota trip in the works well you can come join us in montana well that'd be done for that the only thing is uh, i'm a little worried about snakes (laughs) oh no snakes where you go oh okay no rattlers i don't like snakes either so i made sure Uh, the, no, the, vets, the vet said he would the only thing he's had uh i don't remember how many years it, it was that he's been doing it but he's like in the i think it was like 15 years or something like that no snakes just barbed wire and porcupines yeah because I, I, I the porcupine i mean that's not lethal no my dogs haven't gotten into one we've seen we've we've seen one but we haven't got into one there's like a saying, it's like north of the Missouri, you're fine. South of the Missouri, you're not fine. So, mm-hmm. so I try to, like, even like when we go out pheasant hunting, I try to wait. I guess I went out to Southwest and there is rattlesnakes around there, but I think it also just like staying away from like your prairie dog towns and like rocky yeah. outcroppings. It was 95 degrees and we didn't even see a single snake. Uh, no, well, yeah, you need to extend your season, man. So, what? That's that's the plan. Like I said we, my dad and I, we have dreams to hunt uh, prairie chicken and sharpies and huns uh, earlier, like around spring. I'm sorry, I'm spring, I'm September, and then obviously you know pheasant season here in Iowa, and then you know chasing after some bob whites and everything too. Because the nice thing with Kansas, their season goes a little bit longer than ours. 
Right. That's why we went to South Dakota this year. And then I was like, well, if we add Kansas onto that, we can still go back there in January. And they might not even have any snow. So, well, that's the thing is, we were, I was hunting quail down in uh, Kansas in January. I mean, I was in a t shirt. <laughs> so, you work at a gun store. Mm-hmm. Next question favorite gun? Doesn't have to be a gun you have, but or a gun you have, it could be somebody else's gun. So my ride or die gun I have now, I have a 12 gauge Weatherby Orion and a 26 inch uh, length barrel. That is a gun I would pick hands down over any other gun. Um, it fits me great, has a great swing to it. I'd go with my Weatherby Orion hands down. Now I did dabble into the side by side now because I actually got a 12 gauge TriStar Bristol that I love because it feels like I'm carrying a yardstick around the field. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, and you know, I wanted a, a, a side by side had ejectors, so that's what I ended up going with. But no, my my would be Orion, that's that's my ride or die. Okay, wish list gun. You had any gun in the I'm gonna say a Browning A5. Can't go wrong, that's probably that's mine too. I do want a side by side 28 gauge, but I think I can buy that one myself. Mm-hmm. With or, well, I can buy both of them myself, but <laughs> that way I can buy that one without being like, yeah, yeah. I don't need to buy another gun. No, I will say for a close second, I would definitely say the Benelli uh, 828 is super nice. Oh, yeah, those things are super nice. When I was looking at buying my over-under, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that looks like a super nice gun. But this one's also $2,000 cheaper. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, yeah, but, uh, definitely but, a beauty. It's definitely something you don't want to drop on the ground. But I had a guy come in the other day who was one over-under, and I just had it on the shelf. And I started talking about it. It's like, you know, if you don't buy this gun, I'm going to buy it today. <laughs> I say my CZ, I don't feel bad about dropping on the ground. So mm-hmm. it's got too many things in it already. All right. One of our final questions. Mm-hmm. What's on the horizon for you in 2023? Can be training. We can go through training and hunting. So. Yeah, so on the horizon, so um, so like I said earlier, uh, I'm working with Maggie and getting her her uh, natural ability test done. Obviously, I'd love for us to get a, a NA prize one, but this is my first time doing NABDA and everything, and I'm just kind of going in with just letting her and her instincts take over, and she's been a rock star on our training days, so I have every ounce of confidence in her. I mean, I wouldn't be doing NABDA and everything with her if I didn't think that she didn't have it. This pup, I was running her in the field when she was four and a half weeks old, and she went a whole week on our week-long um, hunting trip up north that we do. She kept with us every step of the way. She was backing, naturally backing Bella. So that would be one thing as far as training goes, is getting her her NA test done uh, in June. And obviously in the future, just continue our uh, breeding and everything too with Bella and Wrangler. This is one thing I forgot to mention earlier. Wrangler is the direct son of CK Touchdown Guy, who is a very prestigious Vishla in the trialing community. He actually has 20 total titles to his name. Nice. Um, so we have very rich um, field trialing and hunting bloodlines in our pool. And I want to, because sadly, he actually passed away this uh, past summer. And I also want to continue his lineage too, because um, he was just such a great Vishla for us and the whole Vishla community. What are your expectations with your two pups coming in this next season then? Obviously, I'm not going to have too high of expectations because obviously they're pups and everything. Puppies do puppy things. Um, you know, I'd love to get Rufus hunting along with Bella and Maggie for this upcoming season. 
and then improving upon things with Maggie. I mean, she's already got a nice, really good steady point. Um, and I actually joke my dad too, is Maggie's actually steadier than Bella. I <laughs> <laughs> say, I just had the boys over on the last night or not last night, two nights ago. And I was surprised to see Cash's nose just caught. I knew that I saw birds cross the road like when we parked. So I knew the birds were there. It's like, well, pretty soon they're going to start to hit the scent, I imagine. Like, the wind wasn't too strong, but it was, say, five to seven. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, yep, you can tell they hit it. And Riggs is more methodical, like the way he picks apart. I noticed how he picks apart a piece of property. But Cash, he just went, he went to one bush and it went boom right at the birds. And I was like, he's going to be there way before Riggs is. Mm-hmm. And then Riggs got there and they both were on point. And I was like, well, there's something there. See if I can get up to it. And then a group of Huns flushed up about a dozen Huns. So that was pretty cool. They're still running on top of a lot of snow because we still have about three feet of that outside. <laughs> but it was good to be out one nice night. So so what's on your hunting horizons for 2023? Well, I would say hunting horizons in 2023 season. Obviously, just continue the success that we've been having. Also forgot to mention this earlier. So this past season, we actually harvested 105 Iowa ringneck pheasants, in which it was hands down the best season that we've ever had. And so obviously, I'd love to continue that, but you know, there's things we can and can't control. Um, but just keep you know keep getting more bird contact and everything for the pups. And I would also like to also help out. So my sister Megan, she's actually just started getting into hunting with us. So our main hunting group is me, my dad, my brother-in-law, Derek. And she actually, uh, she got a couple of the birds from our total um, this past season. So helping her out and getting her comfortable and helping her with her shooting would be the biggest thing. Um, but then obviously another big on the horizons for us would be uh, taking a trip up to visit you guys up in North Dakota, then taking you guys down in Kansas and linking up in Iowa. Nice. Yeah, we'll take you up. Always, always willing to go new places, try new things, fail miserably or succeed in I mean, regardless, we're going to have a hell of a time anyway. Right. Well, if not, the beers are always cold. So, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we definitely have a tradition with our hunting trips. We like to bring what's uh, it's a butterscotch schnapps. It's uh, called Ice Hole. Yeah, we have. We're we're no uh, stranger to Ice Hole up here. Oh, yeah. There, there, ain't, there ain't much else to do around here in the winter. So, yeah. Well, so. ice fishing and drink some Ice Hole root beer, butterscotch, peppermint. Never had the peppermint. <laughs> Root beer is all right. Um, yeah. pep- I'm not a big fan of peppermint either. So, yeah. Well, we'd love to get you up here to North Dakota or if you want to join us in Montana. I mean, North Dakota opens up the week after. So, mm-hmm. I usually stay around home because I, don't know, I, I feel like there's just as many bird numbers where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And not have to travel out to Western North Dakota. Might have to hunt a little harder, but yeah. Well, normally in September we're hunting doves, and the I'm gonna be frankly honest. I think ever since we had that derecho that came through a couple of years back, the Iowa dove has just been not so great. <laughs> so I think yeah. I'd rather come up there and chase some sharpies and some hunts with you guys. It's a, it's a pretty fun time, even like around here. It's a little it's a little tougher than going out west, but I mean you're gonna put some miles on your boots. But oh yeah, I mean they're called boot leather birds, right? Right, they are. I say you do quite a bit of walking. The one nice thing is, is like you're walking, you're not walking through cattails, you're not walking through like mm-hmm. knee high stuff. If you are, you're probably not in the right cover. 
So you're like, you're walking, like even like we're out in Montana, it's, we found birds. We were out in this field and it like was like somebody's lawn. Like that's what, like that's the length of the, like the weeds and oh wow, it was like, it was like a mix type. It was like a food plot type mix, but it never came and it was like barely like up to my, our ankles and we shot like a dozen birds out of there in the two days. And it, could, it should have been way more because Sal had his, Sal didn't have his gun loaded. He was listening to the Vikings pregame show. Oh God. And he had a cup co- and he had coffee in his other hand and 12 to like 15 Sharpies got up right in front of him and nobody else could shoot but him. <laughs> oh, so, boy. yeah. So it's a running joke with him, but <laughs> it's always nice walking. It's just always a little hotter. So that's always can't hunt as long. But in other words, you just need to walk next to him the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't he didn't think we were gonna get birds there again that day. He's like, ah, he told my brother, he's like, You take where I was yesterday. It's like I think you might get some birds over there. And of course, like 20 yards from the truck, all these birds get up. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, I only brought one shell, I better gone back. Luckily you were only 20 yards from the, the truck. But well, Cody, it's been great talking to you and getting Yeah, it's been a blast. Learn about Vishlas and and breeding because I don't think we've had a breed around here yet. I'm trying to think, probably not. Probably, I don't think somebody so. might. Somebody might correct me, but oh no, we have we have Chewy Garcia from Cash Setters and also in Iowa. No, oh, okay, yep, yep. No, we take our dog breeding very serious here in Iowa. I guess so. Mm-hmm. There's a few other ones I've seen also in Iowa. I don't know, not a whole lot of breeders in North Dakota. I don't think. Not certified. All right. We want to plug your information. Do you have a, I know you have an Instagram handle. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very active on uh, Instagram. I would say probably the most part of all the social medias. Uh, so you can follow me at CTDIA Uplander or I mean, you can obviously follow me on Facebook. I also do have a page on my Facebook for our kennel and everything. Yeah, it's uh, CT Uplander Gun Dogs. Uh, I need to be better about posting on that, but nope, say Instagram, I'm on there pretty much every day. Okay, good. So people can find you there, and if they are interested in in owning a Vishla, they can reach out to you on there and pick your brain. And Yeah, absolutely. So I'd be more than happy to answer any questions or anything. We also just, I want to put this out there, we, put a, we just started a Patreon page, so if anybody wants to... Then, don't have to. If anybody wants to, they can subscribe to our page. We are going to be doing two. We decided we're going to do two hunt giveaways this year. So, ones will join us for North Dakota Sharpies and Huns, and the next one will be like a late season rooster camp. So, oh, there you go. I'm gonna go sign up right now. <laughs> Five bucks a month gets you in a drawing. So, and your chances are really high right now. So, if anybody <laughs> wants to join, there will be doing a few more giveaways too when we hit. Uh, Actually, I have a lot of giveaway coming up here soon. We'll be doing another Shields Shield gift card, and we have some supplements from Fit and Fetch Outdoors that we'll be giving away. I think three packs of dog supplements, and then a discount on a heavily discounted Kuga vest. So be on the lookout for that. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Upland Nomads podcast.